Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we're going to dive headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you heard about the uh, Jesse Smollett issue. You know, he came out and said he was attacked by Trump supporters. Turns out it was two uh, Nigerian brothers that he paid to attack him. A bunch of celebrities and uh, politicians on the left jumped in and, uh, you know, to support him and then slowly kind of backed off when it became obvious that uh, he was lying. Now, he'll get his just desserts. I don't know if he's going to jail or not. Uh, he's a celebrity, so maybe he'll get a reduced sentence or something. That's not the point. All of this was possible because of the identity politics that is prevalent in our universities. And I know it doesn't seem connected right now, but we're gonna do, what we're going to do is make the connection from where it starts, which is in university, how it filters into our politics, and how it filters into the public at large, which is really what matters, how you and I think. And all of this is going to explain part of the crime of the century. So politics, politics, and identity politics. There's really three different levels of that. All right, so there's uh, politics that we see uh, in, on stage. We see uh, the, the difference in ideals, the difference in what should be between the Sanders crowd and the Trump crowd and, and everybody in between. Um, and we see internal politics, and that's uh, sort of relates actually to this uh, case because there was uh, there's been numerous articles that uh, Jesse would have either been doc salary or they were going to cut his rollback so in an attempt to garner sympathy to be able to stay on the show or be more of a prominent character who's going to stage this attack and so like what they did with Roseanne and, and, and support or to show support the network probably would have given him a bigger role a greater role or not cut his salary or something like that. So there's inside politics and then there's identity politics and that has everything to do with the outside of somebody. What do they look like? What car do they drive? What uh, money do they make? What house do they live in? What's their skin color, their gender? All of the stuff that you can determine in the first 10 seconds about somebody that is identity politics in a nutshell. Now, you can go on any, really any podcast about identity politics and hear uh, uh, both sides of the argument. You know, go to the Daily Wire or listen to, uh, to Shapiro or Andrew Clavin or something and they'll talk about, um, you know, the intersectionality and why that's bad. Andrew Clavin, I'm actually going to plug him here, uh, does a really good job on the uh, lefties dictionary and... Uh, in a lot of his shows that he does, talking about uh, the intersectionality which relates to uh, identity politics, which is essentially that there's, a, there's a, a tiered system of oppression. You don't need me to reiterate that for you. There are so many other places you can go for that. But, and a connection that has already been made to the but, but if we can, uh, the Smollett case, but if we can extrapolate from that, 
we can see the dangers of basing political ideology and a worldview on identity politics. And it's not anything new, although identity politics became prevalent in the 1970s, really kind of defined in the 1970s over here and in the West. It has always sort of been a factor. There's something, and I, I believe it was uh, uh, one of the uh, Holocaust studies that talked about the us versus them, where typically, and I'm not saying Jesse Smollett was advocating genocide here. This is just to make the point. This is going to the logical extreme to make this connection, to make it crystal clear uh, so you can see the effects of something. I'm not in any way saying that he was condoning a genocide or that the left is going to start it. There are plenty of other crazy people that you can listen to that are going to say that, that there's some sort of white genocide going on. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you look at the one genocide that everybody knows happened, should know happened. I know there's deniers, but again, we're not here to talk about crazy people on the uh, far right. We're just here to talk about one crazy man on the left. The logical extreme of us versus them is there's something that defines what could be. And, 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 and this is a little bit more complex. So we all in our minds have the ideal version of self. So we all know what we could be, what we should be. And frustration and disappointment in ourselves comes from missing that. Whenever we say, you know, when, when we respect our own word and we tell a friend, hey, I'm going to be there at, you know, six and we show up at, you know, seven, that is a departure away from what we see as our ideal self, someone who's trustworthy and on time. And so there's a little disappointment within ourselves because we didn't reach what we knew what we could do. We didn't get, we didn't act out what we knew we could be. And the difference in between what is the ideal self and what is what we are, the difference between that is called potential. And that's when people say you've got potential, they can see for in you an ideal version of you, what you could be. Potential is you going from what is to what could be. Now, when it comes to us versus them, the idea of us versus them, the, and I, we're going to talk about specifically the, the Holocaust here. The Nazis, which were essentially a odd combination of Marxist economics, but nationalism to an, ex, and nationalism to an extreme, really, they took the two extremes from either side and put them together and uh, created crap. But regardless, the idea was, okay, Germans are white with blonde hair, um, you know, blue eyes, and they have a certain amount of German ethnic blood that's pure blood. Now, regardless from the fact that we all, you know, evolved from Africa, so it, there is no pure blood or, or whatever, and you don't need me to debunk the Nazi myths, there are plenty of people that have been doing that for longer than I've even been alive. My point is the 
ideal self when it comes to a whole nationwide, this is what a German looks like. It means that when somebody departs from that, there's frustration, disappointment, and anger associated with that. That's why somebody could bring themselves to think, it's not like the German people didn't know what was going on, all right? They had, the Jewish people had to wear patches uh, to signify they were Jewish. They had their own identity cards. Uh, you know, they were taught to, essentially, you know, young boys would be taught to, in schools and uh, even on the street, you know, point out a Jew. What does a Jew look like? They have hooked noses and they had children's stories about how evil they were and what, you know, the Semitic, the, the, the Semitic person looked like. And so it was bred that these people are not like us and they're like an enemy and we're going to attack them like an enemy. Consciously, now you have to suppress your conscience here because to attack another human being for essentially no reason is is a moral wrong, right? Whether that, that's in the Bible, that's in almost any religious factor. We know that killing is or hurt, hurting maliciously is wrong, unless we can justify it with some sort of, you know, they did something. So in order to suppress that, how do we do that? Well, that's where the identity politics comes in. That's where they're not like us. We're angry at them because they are hurting our potential of what could be as a nation, or what we've taught, been taught could be as a nation. So that's it on a more macro scale, on, on, the, on a nationwide scale. So to bring this back to Jesse Smollett and then eventually make this connection to the universities today, we have to understand the left, and I'm gonna say the far left's point of view here because there is an issue, I think, when people say the word liberal and they mean and they use it as a pejorative term for the entirety of the left, they're really doing a disservice to the meaning of that word, which essentially has been the ethos of, uh, of America. Not that conservatives aren't American or anything, I'm not obviously saying that, but the liberal idea of exploration, of the freedom of man, the freedom to choose, the freedom to do business with, all of that stuff, that is integral to the idea of what it means to be an American, why we have the borders the way we do, and what makes them worth fighting for. So we can understand that. I don't like it when the right, you know, people on the right just say, you know, oh, you're a liberal and liberals are cancer. No. I want to make the distinction here. The far left and what's call them what they are. They're Marxists, all right? And that, that includes communists, socialists, uh, even leftists, all of that, I'm going to use the word Marxist because that's what they are. Now, they see America, their ideal version of America, of what could be, as not necessarily a nation in the terms of what we think of as a nation. And, and I'm using the study of uh, Vladimir Lenin here where when he instigated the revolution in Russia and won, he thought that the entire world would eventually become communist and there would be no nations. There would be kind of a, a one world government that would have the communist principles uh, underlying its uh, rule. And so the far left, that didn't change on the far left. That has never changed. So their view of America is that it would essentially start 
this global revolution that will destroy what we know as nations and the free will of the nation to do what it sees as right. The difference between their version of, of the left, the far left, and Lenin's, see Russia is very, there, there aren't many different colored people in, in Russia. Now if you go more towards uh, Turkey where it kind of curves down to the Caucasus Mountains and in Georgia, sure, they look a little, you know, a little darker skinned, but it's like two degrees up there. Everybody's white because it's nothing but snow. It, it just skin pigmentation and uh, genetics have a very, uh, uh, play a very big role in that. And if you go out to the Asian part of Russia, it looks a little different too, but for the most part, there was no push for diversity in the USSR because why indifferent? I mean, you go you go over you go to Poland and it's the same colored people. You go to the Ukraine, it's the same colored people. Germany is obviously, I mean, especially with the Nazis and after what they did, it's all the same color. And you got the French, so there is no plea for diversity. But the U.S. is very different, and from our history as a colony. We have all these sorts of different, we have obviously the slaves that were brought over, but then we have uh, different European, we have Eastern, some Eastern Europeans because they were indentured servants. We have a lot of Irishmen in uh, Boston and in the Northeast because they were brought over as indentured servant, which is a fancy way of saying a, a, a slave, a white slave that's enslaved to another wealthier white person. Many people don't know that, but that's how a lot of families got over here. We have a, a deep religious history with the English Puritans. We have in places like Florida and Texas, we have a heavy Spanish Mediterranean population. And of course we have immigration from Mexico and South America. And that's obviously an issue today, that's not the point. My point is that the, the, the left has taken that to the logical extreme of we need more diversity, we need to make sure that everything is a certain amount of, of uh, diverse backgrounds and it comes back to identity politics in the sense that we, you know, because we have all, we have, need all these different backgrounds, we need to interlace them so that we can build some sort of new hierarchy that takes all of these backgrounds and uh, 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 races and, and mixes them together so that we can create uh, some sort of new system because their fundamental idea of America is a different entirely different system than the one the founders created That's why you see a lot of the violence politically because The ideal of what could be going back to why the Germans were able to Throw people into concentration camps What could be for the left is very different than what could be for the right the right sees the US as just being essentially a government that exists to protect the rights of the individual which are granted by God, therefore the government has no place to say, the, especially the federal government, has no place to say what is right and what isn't. It can only recognize rights that are already intrinsic to the human being. And the government, we need to protect that and we need to make sure that you know, nobody else infringes on those rights. So that's why we need the government. The left, on the other hand, says, well, we need to enforce this diversity, we need to enforce, enforce this equality, all this stuff, so they're going to use the government like a club. That's very 
different ideals of what could be. So the frustration on the left is, and the right, is both, you know, these guys don't know what they're talking about and, you know, point across the aisle at each other. And that's what where you see a lot of this political violence. And that's where someone like Jesse uh, Smollett becomes angry at Trump supporters. Or even at the right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, going to assume here, and correct me if I'm wrong, I am going to assume that he doesn't like people on the right because his aversion of America, his ideal of what America could be, is very, very different than what's being acted out. And that's like we talked about with the dinner example. It's, it's very, it's frustrating, it's disappointing, it, cr it creates anger because he can see someone that is not participating in what he believes what America could be. So that's where it allows him to suppress that consciousness to where he's willing to lie. He's willing to get to the point where he would be willing to testify in court against two innocent people because he believes what he's doing is eradicating people who don't or suppressing people who take away from what could be, who are harming that, that potential that we talked about in the middle. Now to bring this back another step, the media and the politicians on the left, many of whom subscribe to this, I'm not saying that there's a grand conspiracy here, but they do believe in the same version of what could be. That doesn't mean that they're talking to each other. Kamala Harris isn't you know, whispering over to Ted Turner at CNN like, hey, um, let's create this conspiracy where like all black people are attacked and everything. No, no, they legitimately, I, I think they legitimately believe what they're saying. I'm not saying that there's a you know globalist world order. I'm not saying that they're all connected and they all know everything because if that was true, somebody would have squealed at some point because it would be the greatest conspiracy ever and there'd be millions in, in exposing it. So somebody would, if that was true, somebody would have already talked. So they just simply believe in the same things. They believe in the same ideal of what could be. So they both are looking at the other side as harming that potential. So they, when somebody else from another industry, an actor, Jesse Smollett, comes and comes forward with a story that might prove and help their cause, which is to diminish or suppress the other, they're gonna jump on it. And when it's proven that it's false, they're gonna walk back slowly because internally, they, 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 they wanna be right. Who doesn't wanna be right? Especially when you're working towards what could be. We all have that ideal of what could be and if, so, if somebody starts attacking your potential, they attack your character, they attack your ability to create that ideal self, well, you're gonna be angry at them. Just like you're angry at yourself if, if you're the one sabotaging your own potential. So that, when they, when they, when they found out that they didn't want to be wrong, it, it was a very slow walk back, but they eventually did because they weren't able to suppress their own conscience, I'm sure. Now, when it comes to the universities where all of this ideal, where all these ideals start, that is where the left constructs their idea of the United States because the history they learn, the music they listen to, the professors that they hear, 85% of, of, of the media, this came out in a CBS report, 85% of the media are registered Democrats. Now that's 
it's one thing to just say they voted left, but to register, you know, that that's one step further. So think about where the politicians and in, in, in the left get their version of the ideal America. It's the music they listen to. It's the podcast that they listen to. It's the teachers that they that they hear from. All of these respected members of society, and I'm not I'm not saying that professors are. Uh, are not respected or revered. It, take, it does take a lot to get a doctorate. The unfortunate aspect is it's all the same ideal version of America, of what could be. So they come out and journalists no longer see their objective as let's get to the truth. It's let's help build this ideal version of America. Let's help build what we believe could be. Now there are some who deviate from that, obviously, and that's a good thing, that's fine, that's the human free will to choose something. But the ability to allow someone like uh, uh, Smollett's to lie, to potentially harm others, comes back to identity politics and us versus them. Because while in the universities, they construct this ideal version of America. There are weird people on the right who don't, who have a different idea of America, and so they get words thrown at them, like uh, other than than just racist, as un-American, as immoral, as these words. And I, I get they're just words, but they do have an effect on a on a characterization. These insults when they get thrown, it's because the left legitimately believes that's what they're fighting. They're fighting the other. They're fighting the enemy. They're doing all of the things that we do if we, if we were fighting a war, all the things that you would do if you were fighting an enemy. You don't want to give them credit. You don't want to, because their, their version of the world is so different than yours, it's just, it's completely uh, non-compatible. And that's, that's why Two, and, and this is the last kind of zoom out extrapolation that we'll do before we wrap all this up. It's why there's such a battle going on in Congress right now and among the American people. Because you take someone like, uh, uh, we'll go back all the way to the Kavanaugh hearings, okay? So he had done nothing wrong in terms of, I'm not saying he's a saint or perfect, I'm sure he's sinned and done wrong before, but I mean, trust me, who hasn't, right? So, Kavanaugh believes in the Constitution as it's written. He believes, he's a conservative judge, relatively, he's not even the most conservative guy Trump could have picked, but Kavanaugh is the judicial version of Trump in the sense that he's not totally right, but he's enough to the right that the left hates him, if that makes sense. So the left's fight against him, though it was not a fair fight, though they were using shaky evidence at best, to them, they had to not let this guy, at any cost, not let this guy get on the Supreme Court because his, he was going to block their construction of, of the new America that they 
have in their mind that's been constructed from ideologies in the past, primarily European ideologies. We've talked about Dennis Diderot, we've talked about Karl Marx, we've talked about all of these different aspects that have played into the construction of what the left believes is America. So you have someone in a very powerful position on the Supreme Court who can block that construction, of course they're going to fight. Uh, of course they're going to attack him no matter the cost. So even when there's, there's hardly any evidence with, with Blasey Ford, hardly any uh, uh, evidence with, with Julie Swetnick and all these people that came out and you know, accused him, it doesn't matter anymore to the left because it's all in the name of constructing the new America. And that's why on a popular uh, a level, a masses level, a populist level, you and me, civilians, that's why, and it, it really comes out in social media, I suppose, because we can all build that ideal version of America and surround ourselves and immerse ourselves in it in a way we haven't been before. That's another topic for another day. But my point is, why do groups like Antifa have any traction in the United States? Well, there's no longer that shared version of America with minute differences. That's what's changed, is the left went from being Rousselian, which if we ran, we did a whole episode on this, we ran through, okay, here's what the Lockean right believes, here's what the Rousselian left believes, and all the way down until the implementation of uh, laws and their purpose, they're all in agreement. And so you would have debates and disagreements, but but it was very easy to compromise because the potential between both views of America, you were still pushing in that direction. So it, it, it wasn't as big of an issue to compromise because it may be a slight departure, but it's, it's not really enough to even feel more than just a little disappointed you didn't get all of what you wanted, but you still feel good because you're moving in that direction. But now that the left has taken the Marxist route, and they want to deconstruct and destroy many of the hierarchies and systems that have been in place by both the left and the, and, the, and the right, the old left, and somewhat of the old right, but the right has somewhat stayed the same, changed a little bit in the 80s, but that's another topic for another day. Among the populists, or, or populists, with groups like Antifa, the idea is we need to destroy, on the left, is we need to destroy these systems because they're getting in the way of our idea version of America. And the political system isn't working, so what else are you going to do? You can't lobby, you can't ask. It's why the, the U.S. broke off from, the, from Great Britain. Great Britain had different ideas of what it meant to be a colony. It meant that you were a lesser state, a vassal, a puppet, and the founders wanted their own nation, their own direction, and it's why it got to the point where a political system wasn't going to solve the issue. The issue had to be solved with, unfortunately, guns and violence. Now, I'm sure if the founders had their druthers, they would have rather fought it out in, in the courtroom and, and argued and debated with the, with the English crown instead of having to shoot at him. But that's some of the issue that we're seeing, especially in Portland and the West where there are no 
conservatives. There are no conservatives in Chicago where Smollett was supposedly attacked. So you've immersed yourself in what could be. The America that you're seeing being constructed is not anywhere close to it. And if you're seeing this reaction on the left, you can be, you can be sure that we're going to see it on the right if Bernie Sanders wins, if Kamala Harris wins. Uh, maybe not her. She seems a little bit toned down. But certainly if, if Elizabeth Warren wins, if, if the power is given to the far left, you're going to see this escalate. And all of that, hopefully you've done a good job of, of putting a bow on this because all of that, once, once we can understand the philosophical, political, and physical consequences of this, we will be able to construct the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my new book, Smoke and Mirrors, which is live on Amazon right now. And it's about the financial situation in this country. And that's the reason for the title, Smoke and Mirrors. It goes over the Federal Reserve, goes over the banks, goes over the government and financial institutions and their infiltration of our wallets and our finances. It goes over the mindset needed to break free from a lot of the conditioning and bad habits that have perpetuated in our society. Go ahead and pick it up right now, only $9.99. And let me tell you what, if you order from my site, I'm also going to give you a half hour free webinar going over some of the topics on mindset and some of the strategies to make those dreams a reality.